Hi, I'm Ian McAllister. And I'm Jamie Adams. And welcome to this special episode of Brainwaves. Now, this special episode, we're going to be talking about mega games. Now, listeners of the podcast may have heard that I recently participated in the mega game Watch the Skies Second Sight, run by Southwest Mega Games at the UK Games Expo this year. Listeners may also have got bored with me saying how much I enjoyed it and how I think I might be hooked on mega games now. Now, for this special, I'm not really the person to talk about this because I am not well versed at all in this topic. So we've reached out and have with us today some experts in the field. We are joined today by John Meisen from Southwest Mega Games and Matthew Bambridge, aka Mr. Mega Game. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. Now, I realise Ian's going to be taking a little bit of a back seat, as Ian, you have not played any mega games, yes? I have not at all, though I'm very keen to after your um, very effervescent reports from UK Games Expo. And he's not just saying that because the man who ran it is uh, on this call as well. <laughs> he, he's been going on about it quite a lot. I, I have, to the point of annoyance. To start off with, John. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, please, and Southwest Mega Games? Yeah, so my name is John Meisen. I've been running Mega Games since late 2015. Basically, I saw a video that I think a lot of people saw from Shut Up and Sit Down, where they went to a game called Watch the Skies in London, I think the year prior, and uh, they the, the game Watch the Skies is simply about aliens showing up and sort of how various different major countries react to that sort of international politics simulation in that sense. And uh, I, I actually I looked into that and I thought about running my own thing. Eventually, I decided to just download the pack. There was a PDF pack for it uh, and run it. And I did that. And then uh, a bunch of my friends who live in Bristol, which is quite near to where I live, said we'd love for you to do it in Bristol instead because the first one was in Cheltenham. And I ran the one in Bristol, and then I just didn't stop, and uh, wound up with running sort of mega games now as a sort of mostly full time uh, job, more or less. Wow! Basically, sort of taking it upon myself to run a bunch of mega games just because I love them, and and none of them were happening near where I live. Generally speaking, they were almost all in London or, generally speaking, elsewhere that was very far away, and so just started running them around. And that's what sort of brings us up to today. So that's more or less my life history regarding <laughs> Mega Games. Amazing. Um, Matt, how about your experience with Mega Games? Kind of when and where did it begin for you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, very much in the same way to, to John, to be honest. So back in uh, 2014, there was a game called Watch the Skies. It was run by Jim Warman and Mega Game Makers. And uh, the Shut Up and Sit guy, uh, guys basically did video of that. Uh, I saw it, and, and like John, was immediately hooked. So I got on the I got on the good old Instawebs to Jim Warman to see what was going on. I went to one of his playtests, a game he ran out for Warwick University. My first game was um, something called Funeral Games, which was Death of Alexander the Great, a lot of people playing as bodyguards. The uh, Macedonian Empire is falling to, to pieces, and so I want to play that game. Loved it. Since then, 2014, I think I've played about 63 64 games Ooh. earlier in the year. <laughs> wow, that's, in the, that's, yeah. that's cute, Matt. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> earlier in the year, I started kind of doing live streams on, on Facebook and Instagram as Mr. Mega Game, and this year I'm trying to attend 32 games. Finally, trying to do more games in a year than John. <laughs> 
How many games do you get through in a, in a year, John? Um, yeah, generally speaking, somewhere between 20 and 30, depending on circumstances. Wow. So I think we'd better start off, although I've been talking about it a lot, I've been rather cack-handed about explaining what a mega game kind of actually is. I usually kind of fall back on, um, it's a mixture between a role-playing game, a board game, and a LARP. Now, with, with your expert knowledge, um, how would, how would either, both of you, uh, go about describing a mega game to someone who has never heard of them before? Uh, I mean, to be honest, not that much different from what you said. Uh, if you, you know, if you want to give someone the elevator pitch, somewhere between a board game and an RPG and a LARP is pretty on point. It's generally speaking, you know, it's, it is large by definition. That's sort of the one undeniable defining feature of a mega game. Most people say that your minimum number's going to be around 20, maybe slightly less. And then most games will sort of be between 40 and 70-ish players. So that's sort of your key element. And the game is sort of all about the, the structure of how all those players are interacting with each other. So it's a game that's more about information and communication than it is about, like, say, a board game is about units and resources and all that, all that kind of stuff. So there may be a very simple board game-like mechanic. It's very, very simple. Wouldn't really work as a board game on its own because... The true meat of the game is in the number of players and how they try and keep lines of communication clear or intentionally mislead each other and all the different kind of opportunities you get when the, the play space is that big in terms of player count. Yeah, I kind of agree with uh, John on all, all of that, really. I mean, I kind of fond of calling them an experience in organized chaos um, <laughs> because that's that's essentially what they are. Um, for the differentiators between a board game, I mean... The, the biggest kind of board game-like thing I, I've done is probably about 12 people. I have played uh, The Empire Lot, which is like 2,500 people in a field, but there's an intensity of experience that comes into to play. In eight hours, I get as uh, a big intensity of experience, as much as I do in the two and a half days when you go to, to Empire. You've got, as John says, between... 20 and, and for the huge games 300 but normally 20 and 80 people all trying to, to do their thing over multiple different uh, mechanics and something that really does kind of come out in in those mega games is unlike a board game you have sub games going on so some people may be doing a science game some people may be militarily uh, going off on one launching nukes at each other some people are doing the politics game trying to barely contain the military players who desperately want to nuke everyone inside so you, you've, you've got all of these kind of things uh, going on, and that intensity of experience for, for eight hours is something that really gives Mega Games uh, a flavour, nothing like anything else I've ever played, really. How do you sort of keep that intensity going? Because, I mean, I find, like, GMing for about six people for a few hours quite a stressful experience as it is. I can't imagine effectively GMing for 40 people for eight. So how, how do you sort of, like, go about <laughs> keeping, keeping the focus, keeping that intensity going over the course of those hours? Well, for a, from a player's point of view, and I'll let John step in from, I'm sure, what is the harrowing experience <laughs> for actually running one of these things. But from a, a player experience, the, you, you have a setting, you, you have teams, mega games are all about conflict. Now, that doesn't have to be military conflict, and as games are evolving, you're seeing more games that aren't just about military uh, conflict, but they all have conflict. And so essentially... If you give 40 people briefings and tasks to do, and that's the important thing, they have to have tasks and decisions to, to make through the day, sure. they will create their own chaos. Uh, much like life, if they've all got competing uh, objectives, they'll go and they'll, they'll 
they'll make their chaos basically and so control and game runners like john then are guiding people rather than managing every every interaction sure yeah i mean and matt's more or less alluded to the, the core concepts there the reason that you can sort of do this is like i say it is like a big rpg but it's also like a board game in that uh you know there are elements there to do with you know your team briefing which is sort of an explanation of what your team is about, what your roles are about, your character brief, as it were, and also some objectives and some interests and some goals you have. And so the players already have that and they know what that is and they don't need to ask a GM to explain it to them. It's already there. And then, you know, the mechanics are laid out board game style. Everyone knows how they work and can just run with them and and play with those mechanics. Um, And then it's sort of the interactions around those. And a lot of that stuff some games more than others depending on the design but a lot of that stuff just the players are sort of self-managing because you know they're playing the game they're they're working on their own objectives and they're using the mechanics they already understand so with that kind of going on its own the you know the gming stuff on top of that doesn't have to be as sort of one-on-one high high intensity high detail that you would get in say gming an rpg for a few people where you're you're sort of like the main conduit of all the information and all the interactions Mm. yeah cool sounds amazing it's it's you could say i enjoy it yeah yeah sounds like quite an intense experience yeah you should definitely come along and play one yeah yeah you should. should it'd be great um it was something i think you alluded to there matt which was saying that there's you know there is a conflict at the heart of every mega game now obviously a little backstory for for listeners um mega game started in you gentlemen will correct me because i'll probably be wrong about 1980 uh, around I, then, possibly earlier. Yeah, I, I don't know the exact date, but generally speaking, yeah, it was a few decades ago. Um, people who were definitely not me and Matt <laughs> started sort of playing around with, I think, and don't quote me on this, I may well be wrong, but the people who would eventually become the mega game makers in London, they were playing sort of war games and, and war game-like scenarios, and they thought that, you know, in reality, a lot of these campaigns and, and scenarios are much more complicated than this because there's so much logistics and communication problems that just like if you have a game with two players or six players, it is impossible to represent just how difficult those communication and those logistical challenges are. And then they scaled that up um, uh, to represent that kind of thing. And that sort of is the inspiration for massive numbers of players in games trying to represent those kinds of challenges that you just can't do with fewer players. Yeah, my, my understanding is basically there's a guy called, and I'm unfortunately I can't remember his uh, last time, a guy called uh, Paddy, who used to kind of be an historian, work for, work for the government, and he started off kind of doing these big kind of training things for the military, essentially. And so that's kind of where they, they grew out of, and then Jim Warman, my game makers, uh, picked them up, and, and they've been running them, yeah, for about uh, 30 years on very kind of militaristic themes with the odd one out being things like uh, Watch the Skies and City of Shadows, which was a kind of uh, play on mad scientists in the 1930s uh, America. So they very much have their root in in a professional military game. Paddy Griffiths, thank you, John. The mad scientist one in the 1930s. Yes, please. Hi. <laughs> I, I was having, You're I, on that, and I will come running. I, yeah, <laughs> that I, sounds amazing. I, I was having me look um, the other night, and yeah, I was looking at some of the very, their kind of early ones, which were like a day in the life of a Battle of Britain pilot uh, taking, wow. taking place at like an old country house. And this is like the early 80s. But it's interesting, yeah, you said that the mega game makers do have, you know, wargaming roots or 
military, you know, military history roots. And then, um, John, I believe I saw that you'd had a bit of correspondence with Quentin Smith from Shut Up and Sit Down over mega games that are, do have conflict, but again, not in the military sense. I think one that I saw you mentioned was a game called Foodies that was in development? I mean, yeah, that was just sort of very speculative. People had mentioned it somewhat. I honestly can't remember who. I'm, I'm really sorry about that. Um, but someone had mentioned, uh, like, like, what are your ideas? Uh, what are your ideas for mega games that are, that are stranger than usual? And there was sort of a thread about it, and I was just mentioning some of the ones I'd seen. Uh, I think one of them was uh, like sort of an animals of Farthing Wood style thing, where like it all takes place in like a neighborhood, but all the players are different woodland animals. And there was another one which was about food in some way that I I'm afraid I don't actually remember it all now. I think about it. I'll, I'll be honest; it um, sounds fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the big one of recent times that was run this year was uh, Trope High by Becky Ladley of Becky Becky Blogs um, up in Dunleeds. And that was a game basically uh, about uh, a bunch of uh, high schoolers in their final year. And you've got a bunch of things going on, like Vampire Diaries, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So everyone's got secrets. Some people are cheerleaders, uh, jocks, drama students, people on the outs and the the goths. And they all had these secrets. Some of them were time travellers, some of them were werewolves, uh, fey creatures, (laughs) communist spies trying to... It was, Bring it about was, the communist uh, utopia. It was American high school TV show, the game, but also all the players were protagonists. So it was a bit chaotic. Yeah, and that's uh, that's an example of a really good style of game that I'd like to see more of in, in mega games. It's something that's very, very, very different and still has conflict between everyone. The core of it is conflict. You have all these protagonists trying to do their thing, people trying to get into into college, uh, people trying to become the, the most popular, class president, prom king, homecoming king. All of these things are going on, so it's all very much still driven by conflict, but not in the traditional sense that you'd have from a, a mega game where uh, you're playing Case Blue and you're the Germans deciding whether or not you want to dive into Stalingrad. Pro tip, don't go to Stalingrad. That, yeah, don't go to Stalingrad. <laughs> Where to live by. John, you mentioned earlier that you were sort of basically doing this full time now. Now, who, what sort of groups are you running mega games for? Is it all sort of like nerdy geek conventions or is it are there other sort of outlets that you're going to like businesses as team building exercises kind of stuff is is that something that's that's happening it's, it's definitely something i've considered and i you know I've, I've talked to people about it um i specifically haven't actually done anything like that yet however i'm aware that there are a few people out there who are doing that um, oh, cool. jim jim wallman the guy who designed that original watch the skies game he does a lot of sort of consulting work and 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 sort of professional gaming work i don't know exactly what you call it where he takes sort of games that are like this to more professional environments sure i think there's a couple of other people out there doing it too i specifically am not one of them but yeah i've I've definitely looked into it and it definitely has applications i mean like we say i've also read about not necessarily people who are like me who are taking that to businesses but just businesses who on their own have sort of intentionally set up large-scale simulations to represent particular um, situ- uh, things. I remember, I think, um, the Canadian government did it when the uh, Olympics was coming or something along those lines, where mm. they sort of represented lots of different teams, lots of different authorities and agencies, and the committee who was trying to organize the games, and then there was a very small team representing like a few different groups that would be you know, terrorists or like disruptive protesters, and throwing all kinds of things at the wall and seeing how 
people would react and more importantly how people would coordinate and communicate with each other or how they wouldn't and using that as, you know to prepare and identify existing weaknesses and, and there's also a website called pack sims run by a person uh, called rex brynan which again is all about this kind of serious gaming stuff very interesting he had a game uh, which went a tiny bit viral recently called isis crisis which is basically a it's not a mega game, but it's a very similar concept of sort of realistic simulation gaming, which is obviously based in sort of the Middle East and the different factions involved in, you know, ISIS and, and tackling it and all that kind of stuff. Cool. I've got a feeling we reported on something from Pac Sims site before. The name rings a vague bell to me, but can't, yeah. for, can't for the life of me think what it might they be. They talk a lot about gaming stuff. Yeah. No, that's fair. So, um, John, um, I want to turn to you just for just for a wee second. Um, as you said, you've been running and creating mega games. I'm not wanting a peek behind the curtain or anything, but in a very general term, you know, where would you potentially start with creating a mega game? What's your starting point? Well, the point the point where I always start is a very something will take my interest as like a really compelling idea or concept or event. So I'll hear about a particular conflict or like, you know, a historical event, a historical conflict, or, like, just see a scenario or a situation. And typically, these are going to be places where there's a lot of different actors, there's a lot of different people who want different things out of a situation, and they're all in the situation together, and it's all about sort of the complex political and possibly military and resource-based things going on between them. And, you know, there's a number of ways it can play out. So... You know, for example, uh, a game I ran recently called The World Divided is essentially a sci-fi retelling of the American Revolutionary War because you've got, like, you know, the 13 colonies are all independent governments with their own interests and, and different ways they differ from each other. And you've also got lots of different Native American groups. You've got the British, you've got the French, and you've got all these different groups sort of together and there's a lot of like wiggle room or flexibility as to what they actually do in that situation and how they handle it and so you know you get these sort of uh, ideas in your head and from there you sort of go on to okay so how do i turn that into a game where all these different people can make these different choices and choose how and whether or not they're going to work together and who with i'm a little bit of an amateur game designer myself how on earth do you play test a mega game well the the, the running joke is uh, you play it so, generally speaking, yeah, they're sort of too big to probably playtest. Maybe the traditional yeah. sense, like in a you know, with board game playtesting, mm. basically are just playing the board game, but you only need a few people to do that. Yeah. And um, with mega game playtesting, I know there are certain people who do different things. A lot of people will have specific mechanics, or perhaps they'll take a specific part of the game, like oh, here's the science game with the resources that go in and how they come out and the different players. Well, we'll just, we'll just playtest that specific part. Um, other people will sort of uh, playtest things, you know, in that sort of in that sort of way where they will sequester certain sections of the game off and playtest them like that. I tend to playtest the game in full, but I will sort of make a playtest version of the game which can be played with just about ten or a dozen players, where each player will maybe represent multiple teams, or one player represents an entire team of people, and you know, I'll simplify the turn structure and some of the resources and and sort of check it all works out that way and you know so yeah that's there's it's not easy to play test but there are sort of workarounds to sort of figure out how it's going to go 
Yeah, I just jump in there and say that John's approach to playtesting is probably one of the the better ones in the community. He seems to to do larger playtests the the most often, and it's it's a really great thing because one of the things that, that can come up when you play a game is you can tell that the interactions haven't really been tested out, and that's not really anyone's fault in a lot of ways because. When you've got a game that's designed to run from 30 to 60 players, it's very challenging to, to do that. But also kind of presents an, an opportunity, an opportunity to try and do what John does, which is get people in for minimal or no fee for a day to have essentially what's going to be some fun, testing out some new mechanics, learning more about a, a new game. So I'd very much like to see, and I think a lot of people would like to see, John's approach to, to play testing kind of go, go wider as more mega games are being run now inevitably that means that the quality of games needs to needs to keep on rising and so those larger play tests i think are very much a, a way to do that so absolutely hats off to to john for doing that on a, on a regular basis we've mentioned shove and sit down a couple of times and their sort of video about mega games really really seems to have given the oh, whole yeah. hobby a kick have you have you both seen like quite a rise in mega games over the last few uh, over the last few years since that video we are the rise <laughs> Basically. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so yeah, pre twenty fourteen, the mega game community was sort of a specific group of people, mainly London. Yeah, I think a few of them had moved to the north uh, in Manchester and Leeds, and I believe there were a few people in, uh, in mainland Europe, mainly the Netherlands, if I'm correct. Um, and and you know, there's there's definitely several hundred, maybe a few thousand people who were there and drip, dropping in and out. There's you know, there's a core group of maybe a hundred or so who were the main designers and players who did it the most and then yeah the shut up and sit down video just sort of brought that to a much much larger audience i think that video itself got a few hundred thousand views on youtube and vimeo depending on uh, where it was uploaded at the time and uh, yeah so that brought in a big chunk of players myself included and uh, in, in fact shortly after it was made uh, jim wallman the original designer of what disguise did those massive games and ran three different games each one was about 300 players each yeah, they were, they wow. were absurdly large. It, it was, it was um, about a year later, the Shut Up and Sit Down put out two-part videos of them doing yeah. the second Watch the Skies. So, I mean, we'll put the links in the show notes if you want to go and see them. Um, it's Yeah, it's thoroughly impressive. That was the first of the three 300-player games. And, you know, that sort of just shows you how many people had seen it and thought, that looks really cool, I want to try it, that that kind of thing was possible. Yeah. Um, and since then, you know, I think there was a massive surge, which has calmed down a bit. But, yes, there's a lot more people now and not just people who saw the Shut Up and Sit Down videos. There's now a, a fairly sizable sort of second wave of people who haven't seen the Shut Up and Sit Down videos, but know people who have, and therefore have heard about it from them and, you know, start going from there. I definitely have a few friends who fit that category. But yeah, like, so that sort of opened up to a much wider audience in terms of just people being aware of it. And then that's itself sort of perpetuates because those people start running games or attending games or you know helping games get spread around that rather nicely leads on to um the question i was going to have uh, for both of you in that the past year or so we've you said mega games have been rising up and we've got maybe a second or third generation people um who are now are getting into it but it's making a more public jump from from the hall as it were to the gaming table this year we've seen vampire the masquerade blood feud released which proudly boasts that it is a mega game in a box and jim wallman one of the proto mega game men now owns a company called stone paper scissors uh, and he's offering watch the skies his game 
as a boxed game for 170 of your English pounds. Or Scottish pounds. Or Scottish pounds. We're not picky. Alongside any other older mega games. You know, this. So. Sorry. Let me go. I was just sorry. I was just going to ask what your question was. I, I think what Jamie's trying to trying to drive at is basically: do do you think the that experience of I mean, you both both like being involved in mega games for a long time. Do you think the experience of a mega game can be squashed down into a box? I mean, it is a very large box. It's not being squashed down a huge amount, but can can that experience be learnt as as such from like a, a rule book and written material and presumably scenario guides and that kind of thing that are in there i'll say that as of yet i haven't played but if you i'm actually gonna be playing in a few weeks time over at gen con so i'm gonna be going over and i think i'm playing four mega games and blood feud while i'm over there in a couple of days cool. I, look, I, I have a problem i'm aware <laughs> of the problem but i can stop anytime i want what, what, what are the other four just out of interest on a slight tangent Oh wow! Um, oof, um, can I come one back to that? Of, sure. One of them, Den of Wolves. I remember you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, so they're running uh, Den of Wolves over there, and a few others. I will get their full list up now, so I can mention that uh, slightly later. But sure. In terms of, of Blood Feud, I'm going to be interested to to see what that's that's like in a game that's meant to be played in, in a few hours. I'm questioning if you can get a, a full main game experience out of it but the way i view those kind of hopefully rising genre of main games in a, in a box is a way that they can introduce uh, people into the hobby in a, in a different way so there's been smaller games uh, run like bring them home king country uh, recently and there's much discussion in the community about whether they're the full mega games and i would say it doesn't matter a, a who at all really what matters is that they provide a good experience for people and they're a larger than normal game so whether the vampire the masquerade uh, board game mega game in a box is a, a true mega game or not provides that experience it kind of doesn't have to because all it has to do is get people interested in coming along to and designing a big game between 30 and, and 80 people and the designer really seems to have poured his heart into into that so i'm i'm really stoked to play it we'll we'll see what it's like i'm hoping it's going to be a good time but the primary function for me is a way for them to get people in through a different medium who only have two or three hours to spend on an evening and don't want to commit to coming and playing eight hours with 40 people that they that they don't know which is an intimidating experience right so i view it as a way for, for people to, to get into the hobby i think it's it's worth clarifying as well in terms of uh mega game in a box which is sort of dual meaning i've i know very very little about the blood feud game specifically jim's game is actually the full mega game it's just he's put all the physical materials you need to play it in a box so that if you wanted to buy it and run it you don't have to manufacture those yourselves which until now has generally been the only way to run a mega game um, unless you know someone who already has the materials and is willing to lend them to you. But yeah, there are sort of these smaller games out there that are like mega games, like Matt was saying, which Blood Feud might be, like I say, I don't really know what it is. And there are some other games out there like Bring Them Home, which are like mega games, but smaller. Like I said, you generally need sort of a certain, there's a certain threshold at which it genuinely is impossible and information and communication gets away from you. But there are, there are games that are sort of below that threshold but still have the atmosphere of a lot of people, more going on than you can truly keep track of. And, you know, just sort of free-form role-playing mixed with a bit of mechanics and a lot of story and a lot of character. So, yeah, those are great, like Matt says, for being less intimidating and less of a commitment. So if you're not sure about what you want to play, then this is easier to get into. 
and also just you know more variety it's it's a different it's a different type of game it's shorter it's easier to do so you can play that and you can keep playing regular long massive mega games um so you know it's it's nice to have some a little bit of choice here and there and, and have some more new games coming out with slightly different formats you know mm-hmm. Uh, just to return back to, to Gen Con, they're running 11 uh, games, so Alliance Last Days... And you're only playing four of them, Matt, you coward. Uh, <laughs> I'm... Yeah, just disappointing all around. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of them run at the same time, and some of them were... That is no excuse. I, no. I, I know maybe one day I'll graduate John to being able to play two Mega Games at once, we'll see how it goes, but uh, yes, they're running... A Mega them. Game inside a Mega Game. I will play it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm playing uh, by Conan Dagger, which is kind of uh, politics and skulldog people who are nobles, merchants, magistrate, magistrates or, or scoundrels and all trying to take over the city in their different kind of ways. There's Deep Havens, which is dwarves trying to dig for legendary uh, items. I'm playing Heavy Rain, which is uh, nobility and betrayal. And Sickle, which is a, a scythe uh, fan-made mega game. And as I said, the, oh. uh, the Blood Food game. And they've also got kind of Alliance, Last Days, Den of Wolves, Dragon Thrones, Heavy Rain, Watch the Skies. I would pop on over to megagamecoalition.com uh, homepage where they, they've got a bunch of those there for you. So I'm, I'm really excited about that because in much the same way that uh, John and Alex ran uh, Watch the Skies Second Sight at UK Games Expo, this is being run at another massive uh, convention to really kind of get mega games out there. And I was really pleased to yeah. see John and Alex run uh, Watch the Skies at the, the Expo because there aren't normally mega games there. And I was kind of concerned from a player point of view that they would have problems uh, filling the game because getting people to give up a whole day worth of a con. Mm. That's the main challenge with running mega games at cons is that they are sort of yeah. you know, six hours and most people want to do the stuff that's at the con. Um, that's one of the main reasons we wanted to do it on the Sunday is it's sort of like a less intense day than the Saturday. Sure. But yeah, generally speaking, uh, it was actually quite interesting uh, when we first we first mentioned it to the people who are running UKGA and we set it up and like after a couple of weeks i think we had like 12 people signed up which if you're not aware is not that many because the game is like 67 people and the, the ukg organizers uh, emailed me and alex and they like is this all right like uh you know are you, you know do you want us to help pre-promote it and we said that'd be nice but you know generally think speaking these things tend to you know build up over time and, and the interest improves and we did actually end up selling out i think about three or four weeks before the day itself which was uh, really nice to see especially seeing as uh everyone except for like matt and one other player were brand new to mega games more or less which was really great because that was the entire point of running it at the con um other than just you know trying to put on a fun game was trying to get people who had never been in, never played a mega game before give them like a really easy way to access playing a mega game by putting it at a con they're already at if you get what I mean. So yeah, so I'm really pleased that so many people were there and so many people saw it because it's great that more people can just sort of hear about mega games and get the chance to play one when maybe there aren't any near where they live or they just hadn't heard about them yet. That's that's pretty much the exact reason why I was interested. I similar to you, I'd seen the Shut Up and Sit Down video. I was like, Great, mega games, where are they? Mostly in London. Great. And then I saw this and went, Okay, it's on the Sunday. I'll just do everything I need on the Thursday, uh, Friday and Saturday. Jamie's in the middle of writing up his uh, war diaries as well, so we're going to have that up on the site of as uh, the the diaries of the Prime Minister of Japan. I had a great suggestion the other day, Jamie, that you should uh, voice act your diaries oh, no. as the Prime Minister of <laughs> oh, Japan, and we should no. put it out as a podcast. 
You had an exciting day as the the president of Japan, as I uh, as I recall from my table over at the Secretary General of the UN. I had a hell of a day as the Prime Minister of Japan. I've only read it, and it sounded pretty exciting. You've only read the first so two turns. So it was an interesting day as the, the President of Japan. You've got a lot of uh, competing things uh, going on. But yeah, it, it was really lovely to see so many so many new players. And obviously, I went along as uh, Mr. Meg Game to do live streaming and, and capture the action. And it, it was a really nice buzz to have so many new new players coming out and try this hobby that obviously I, I love, because it's basically my main hobby these days. So yeah, it was a really nice experience. Can I say, Matt, it was very nice of you to not use your your uh, experience to try and take over the world and manipulate newer players. It's a very kind of viewpoint. But good point. If, if I recall if I recall from my notes, I mean you were Secretary General at the UN and pretty much the UN would just spend the entire time just snarking at each other. They they do love to snark at each other, and it's uh, an exercise basically in middle management to try and get people to focus on on some of the the larger issues. But I was very happy with the UN that day that it kind of came to together and kind of helped the world out with its problems. And I embezzled a minimum of cash, minimum of cash. <laughs> in fact, I embezzled no cash. More as I just kind of shunted some stuff off uh, for side projects of talking to, to aliens and funding UN uh, peacekeeping mission. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is interesting. People have, uh, so as people play their first mega game and they mention observations they've had, for example, you suggesting that the UN was a bit snarky and difficult. And me and Matt came from that game going, man, that UN was like one of the best and nicest <laughs> ones we've had. They're normally so much more aggressive and terrifying. Uh, yes, absolutely, John, John is right. I've seen that uh, UN dissolve into complete and utter chaos on many occasions sometimes uh, as a result of my fault but yes it it was a it was a lovely lovely peaceful day with a minimum of snark so after gen con where can people find you next john what you're running after that um well so i'm generally running games mostly around the southwest i don't know how soon this podcast goes up but i'm this saturday i'm running watch this guy's second site in reading and then possibly the week after that, there's uh, near Mansfield. It's a town called Southern Natsfield. There's a small gaming center up there um, that's requested that I run Watch the Sky Second Light up there. So I said I'd do it. And then later on, I'm running uh, Den of Wolves, which is my game that's loosely inspired by Battlestar Galactica. So teams represent different ships. And, you know, there's lots of different ships. And there's a military ship. And there's a government that's trying to hold everything together. Uh, I'm running that in Cardiff. Cool. Oh, I, 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 if I could, I would be there like a shot. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah, well, I'm running that in Cardiff and um, also somewhere else later in the year, not officially announced yet. And then in October, I've actually got a brand new game, which is based on the Cuban Revolution. So uh, 1950s Cuba. Uh, what, what happened in history was, of course, Fidel Castro took power. This is the same scenario run from the beginning. Not necessarily Fidel Castro taking power, but that particular uh, conflict slash political scenario. So, wow, yeah, it's sort of a few. It's a fairly small game, but there's like about five different factions, including uh, various government and rebel factions, and it's sort of how that plays out. So, I'm looking forward to see how that one goes. Way up to next yourself, Matthew. Uh, see, I'm actually uh, going along to watch Skies in uh, Reading uh, this week, the, the John Reading, and I will be uh, the president of Russia, and I will try and not get up to any shenanigans. Uh, I've got uh, the, the Jane Connor adventure uh, at the uh, beginning of August. Then I've got a break of a few weeks, actually, before I do Kingdom of Seasons run by 
uh, True North Mega Games, which is a, a high fantasy mega game uh, inspired uh, by Lord of the Rings, among among other things. And then after that, I've got various ones like uh, Grace of God, uh, which had Silverstone of uh, Reading Mega Game, Mega Games of Running, which is the uh, English Civil War, and then John's Cuba game, and then others. I've got about another ten or twelve before the end of the year. The ten or twelve, not including Gen Con. Well, I don't know about you, gents. Uh, I could to spend hours talking about this, but unfortunately we're going to have to bring this to uh, an unfortunate end. So I just want to say thank you both very much, John and Matt, for coming on and listening while I bombard you with questions about it's really great, how do you make it so good? (laughs) Thank you very much for having us. It was a very very interesting discussion. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure, John. It's absolutely great, thank you. And if the listeners out there wanted to contact you or to find out what you're up to what would be the best way to do that well i have a website swmegagames.co.uk and i also have a facebook and a twitter called southwest mega games really the best thing though is probably send me an email at contact at southwest mega games and ask me put on the mailing list and you'll receive an email every time there's a new game. But feel free to investigate any of those. Yeah, for, for me, I'm uh, Mr. Mega Game on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I kind of go to games, well, not every week, but, but almost every uh, every week. So uh, I do live streams. If you want to hear more about my games, please pop along. Any questions that you've, uh, you've got as well? And uh, possibly a little bit early, because this may go out a couple of days before the site launches. But uh, me and a couple of others uh, are launching a website called uh, Mega Game Assembly. Uh, dot com and that's going to have a, a big calendar of all the games uh in the world uh on it that we've put together and people can come along and add their games it's got um make gaming resources in terms of kind of listing out all the different groups that we know about there's some links to free made games up there there's a, a blog and a podcast and about us contact fact that type of thing so that will be out kind of around the same time as this uh, this goes up so please pop along to to that and uh, yeah sign up to the newsletter take a look because we're hoping that will be a a great resource. Well, we know it will be a great resource, but we're hoping that uh, people enjoy it so we can uh, continue producing content for that. Thank you very much. Yes, we'll stick um, all the the links that have been mentioned um, in the show notes, so feel free to look for them. And, of course, you can always hit up online. Um, Ian, are you interested in mega games now? I am interested in mega games, yeah, definitely, especially Mad Scientist in the 30s. Yes, please, sign me up for that one. That sounds amazing. And the Battlestar Galactica one as well, or Battlestar Galactica inspired as well. That sounds fantastic. So yeah, I, I, re- I really need to give one a go. And, and like say, there, there's so many of them now. And they're, they're, they're getting more ubiquitous, more people are running them. So I think there were a couple of people trying to run some up here, but I don't know exactly where. I'm sure I heard of a Star Wars one being run somewhere. So True North Mega Games are running games in Scotland and the far north of England. Um, so right, yeah, cool. look into True North Mega Games. They're the ones who are going to be closest okay. to you. Yeah, great. Carlisle, uh, Glasgow. Uh, the one you're talking about was Rebel Country, and that was run up in uh, in Dundee. That's the one. Yeah, so yeah, maybe a giant brain day out. That was fantastic. Well, thank you very much again to John and Matt, and thank you very much for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast. And drop us a review and a rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, at the Giant Brain, Instagram, Giant Brain UK, on Facebook, we are The Giant Brain. Our website is giantbrain.co.uk. Or you can drop us an email at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. Look after yourselves, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.